We are live with our second episode of HO Racing today with Adam Moneypenny and me, Chase Ellis. How are you doing, Adam, today? Good. <laughs> so to, for our next episode, we, we fixed the screen issues. I don't know. We're just getting joining here, but I fixed the screen issues due to feedback from all you all, and uh, we're using mics this time so to try to get better audio. Uh, for everyone, so, oh, all right, Sean joined the live cast, so, so we're going to get going here, uh, I'd like to welcome Sean and Chris into the lobby uh, today for their first ever special guests on our podcast, and we'd like to thank them so much for uh, being on the uh, podcast here, so, man, I don't know why I'm nervous, so tight today, I don't know why, but. How are you doing, Adam? Really well. And uh, we're going to get this started. Uh, I was going to ask a question to both you and Sean, uh, since I know. Uh, I was going to ask, I mean, touching on our first episode on how me and Adam explained how we got into slot cars. and But how did you guys, you both, get into it? Since then, you know, I've, I've been going to championships ever since you know there was a little hiatus when I was you know in my 20s where I took a little break for family life and had my family and started my uh, family with my wife and my two kids mm -hmm. but ever since then I've been going at a steady pace and participated in all the events since then nice nice so we were having a little bit of audio issues uh, I think my headphones were interfering with the audio can I'm trying to get it sorted out in the chat. Thank you everyone in the chat for mentioning it. Uh, I think my, just my headphones were interfering with it. So I uh, got it fixed. So Chris, how'd you get into uh, knowing, finding out about Hopper Nats? Well, when I started, I, I started racing in probably about 2005 and uh, Mark was really into Hopper at the time. And the 2006, the Hopper and Nats were in Canton, and which was about 10 minutes from where I was living. So I attended that one, and I raced in a couple of classes. I actually made the final main in Amateur Superstock that year, and I kind of just got addicted from there. I went to I haven't missed one Hopper and Nats except for 2009, where I went to Euphora, and I've been every one since. Oh, nice, nice. I know we both mean Adam. I know I'm definitely going to try to make it to the twenty, the uh, June twenty, twenty seventh, twenty twenty, in Aurora, Ohio. I really want to just go there to see how you guys run things and maybe maybe run a few classes, see how it is. I know I probably won't finish too well, but uh, that'll be really well. So I'm gonna have this question for Sean. I actually wanted to know. I just thought of this question yesterday, thinking. And do you feel the job of national director has gotten uh, harder or easier over the years since you have inherited the duties? Sean, you got your microphone. Oh, Sean, microphone. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so how it works in Hopper, all the uh, positions are voted upon across the Senate members. 
So the national director, the assistant national director, membership director, and all the local state senators are all voted on either by the racers in that particular area, and the national director is voted on amongst the members of the Senate. So I took over at the end of the 2016 nationals. So this 2020 will be my third year doing the national director role. Uh, I think to answer your question, has it become harder? I think maybe a little bit because I made it that way. So I'm put Hopra, I have a new website, there's a new form. I've been doing more of the Facebook postings and really trying to get the name out there as far as promoting Hopper and the organization. So to me, it has gotten a little harder just because I made it that way on myself mm -hmm. because I want to bring this up into the 20th century onto the new platform of social media and new content like what you guys are starting up with these podcasts is absolutely fantastic. So, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of preparation for one week's worth of events. Uh, so I prepare all year long, whether getting the promoting the hotels and all the tracks and the venues and the people. It's a whole year long process to make this one week successful for everybody. All right. Yeah, there, oh yeah, I did get a text. Or uh, I'm still trying to sort out audio issues. I'm gonna ask in the chat right now uh, if you can, if they can hear us here because I think I'm not sure if because I got my issues my issues sorted out so let me type something yeah sorry about that guys we're I think it might be Chase I'm not sure okay because I, I know my headphones might have been the issue I ripped those off and uh, it's better so uh, I think it was just that but um I just asked everyone in the okay they can hear everyone can hear it now okay okay everyone's good here all right I just want everyone to hear everyone I hate to uh, have audio issues which I'll see if uh, it'll affect the uh, once I edit it and put it in the podcast but uh so yeah that's that's actually quite interesting I mean I could see it being harder with now social media and just going across all platforms. It's, I know Facebook's kind of like the home, basically where I've known most social media to find all people related to slot cars. Uh, uh, what's your, this, this is kind of like a two questions molded into one, but I was going to ask like your most memorable Nats that you intended and like the wildest story of being director, like, like cars, like, I don't know. Wildest story or most memorable, uh, memorable Nats? Well, I mean, all Nats are memorable. There's always a situation or a race that you will never forget, no matter what year you've attended. Uh, you know, my most memorable experiences, you know, obviously everyone I go to, but for one particular Nats, I think last year a pretty memorable moment was the Unlimited Maine where uh, it was like the second heat in the unlimited main and Brian Fleshman was all pumped up and he made everybody known in the room that he was pumped up that day. And it was, it was pretty comical. It was 
a great experience for everybody that was in the room. I mean, you might not know who Brian Fleshman is, but this guy is, he's, he's loud and you know, he's beyond light as it is. And when he talks, his voice really does project very well. So when he was all pumped up, almost ready to win the unlimited championship, which he ended up winning, uh, he was really excited and he was all pumped up. And that was the first time he's ever won unlimited. And it was just, just a great time. And I'll never forget that. Uh, it was one of those experiences where that's the kind of thing that sticks out when you go to the national championships. Yeah. There's always something that is going to be exciting and memorable at every event. Nice. Nice. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I know you've probably been in Hopra for more than a few years, but what does your favorite class mean to precipitate in or just watch? So it's, I participate in every single event. So when I took over the national championship, it's, it's very difficult to put on a race. You know, even if you host a race or when you guys go to different races at different tracks, you always see the host trying to run around. They're trying to do the computer and trying to get food for everybody and talk to everybody. I mean, because it's their house. You know, we're trying to be a good host. So if you look at the national championship event, that's really the whole purpose of my job is to put on that event. So it's very difficult to participate in, in every event, you know, let alone, you know, one or two events but it's very difficult to participate in them all. Mm -hmm. So I told the previous national director that my main mission and my main goal is to simplify the registration process and the uh, coordination of the entire event. That way it would free up my time a little more so I could participate in every single event. So that's my main goal is to, you know, lead by example. So of course I want everybody to participate in all the events. But there's a lot of events at the Nats, I'm not going to lie. So it is hard to participate in them all. But I make a focused and concentrated effort to participate in every single event. Now, I really don't do that great because I have a lot of stuff going on. But at least I participate in all the events. Oh, and that's wow. really my main goal. I mean, I really don't have a favorite. I like them all. Mm -hmm. And Chris, do you have a favorite I main hopper class you like to precipitate in or watch? Uh, I was asking if, uh, like, your favorite hopper class that you like to, I mean, watch or uh, uh, precipitate in. Well, let's see, the favorite favorite class that I run is Neomod. Um, I mean, a lot of the guys in hopper know that, especially in my state. Um, I think my probably my most memorable wasn't even a Neo race. It was a race that I participated in. It was a uh, Polymod in 2015 and it's, it's just one of those weird like stories that I have that I will never forget where Tony Percelli came up to me and offered me a car mm. and because he couldn't he didn't have the energy to race anymore and um, Roger had built a car for him and he just handed me a car I wasn't even planning on running Polymod that year and so he handed me a car, I went out, I tried it out, I was like, okay, I'll run it. And I told Tony, it's like, if I win, you know, miraculously if I win, I'll buy the car off you. And so I raced, I qualified fourth, and I was like, oh, crap. I might actually do that. I might actually win. 
I made it all the way to the main. And Roger was the only problem I had in that entire main. Now, we're the only person I was worried about. And he he uh, he broke in like the first tee. Mm -hmm. And I ended up winning. Nice. And I thought that I wasn't even planning on running. Mm -hmm. And I bought that car. Here it is. <laughs> and uh, it's still got the lane sticker on it. It's never seen a track since. Wow. And that was only passed away a few months later but mm. yeah i still i i can't i'll never let this car go it'll never see a track again because mm. it's more of like a keepsake that i'll always remember mm. yeah that's really special it's really special can't top that can't top that yeah and I was going to ask, I mean, Chris, what's your, I mean, I know you're probably, I know you're precipitant, but what's your main duties as just a staff member of there? I know uh, since uh, Sean's national director, what do you, what do you do in terms of duties? Um, well, I, I, I'm mostly making sure that the rules are being enforced, mm -hmm. that everything's being correct. I answer all the questions that involve rules. Um, I mean, I get a lot of phone calls myself in regards to, you know, say when the Viper Magnets came out this summer, I had a lot of phone calls regarding the process of how we're going to submit those magnets, if they're legal for this year or not. And I've had, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of questions like that answered. And then at the Nationals, we all have a meeting and when we get to deal with the submissions of the rules and vote upon them. Um, but mostly i'm here just as like a i guess a voice for the other members in our state so if you were to be a hopper member either you or adam i will be the person you contact as far as big questions or if you have to if you have a problem with a rule you need to bring it up with me or you need to propose a rule and you bring it up with me and then i can propose it to sean he brings up for the meeting over the summer hmm. all right well off of that information um I know some of the viewers out there uh, are probably interested in going to Hopper Nats and they don't have much information. Can Is there anywhere they can go to uh, basically find this information or just the and hotels also? Well, this is at hotel. Mm -hmm. So it's at the Bertram Hotel Aurora. Um, all this information is found on the Hopper site. And I posted on Facebook as well. Uh, over the summer, I can re I I can post it again later on, probably around New Year. I'll post uh, everything. Um, the Bertram, I mean, you have to call the Bertram to get the room rate uh, I got for uh, for the Nats, which is one hundred nine a night. Um, but you have to call and say it's for the Hopper Nats, and then they'll reserve and book it for you. Mm -hmm. uh, um. As far as like, if you try to go anywhere else in the area, the hotel rates are not the right are not that same price. They're higher. Uh, so, any yeah, so other thing to point out? What Chris just said, um, you know, this is the first time, and I think eleven years that the Nationals has actually been held at a hotel type facility. So you can go to your room and then walk downstairs to the venue and race on the track, and you can go to the restaurant and eat. You never really have to leave for the entire week. Hmm. Yeah, the first uh, hotel is cheaper. 
it has a restaurant in it um and also a bar it's also got a swim pool you really don't have to leave um and 2012 is the last time we actually had one is in akron at the quality inn um where we had this sort of close to what i've got but i mean this is it's got a restaurant and everything inside of it to go along so it should it will be great just to not have to drive every day to and from the hotel when you can just be there as late as you want i'll have control of the keys and locking up everything so seven o'clock to whenever we leave is how uh how i'm gonna run it nice nice sounds like a lot of fun it's gonna be this june 20 is it 20 is 20 27th right can't remember off the top of my head 23rd through 27th. 23rd through 27th. Uh, is the dates. Um, there will be practice on the 22nd, and I will be there, and probably, and Sean will be there on the 21st to set up, but that's for us to take care of and whoever else that I bring in. Um, All right. But no race will be done on the 21st, no practice, nothing. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And the schedule and the details is all online as well from each of the day's events. You can look. Uh, what's happening on every day. So if you can only come in for a couple days, if you want to race a particular race on a certain day, come for this that day, come for all week, however you want to do it. Uh, the schedule is all online. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. So I know, Sean, I know you had, I know you told me in the comments you had a special announcement for this. Do you have that special announcement? I do have a special announcement. I was actually working on it as I was talking to uh, you guys, uh, getting an update online. So after this broadcast, uh, it will all be finalized, and you'll be able to do this special announcement yourself online. So what I wanted to announce is everybody knows who Bob Beers is, and Bob Beers has been traveling the country for the past several months, and I'm you guys have actually had a personal chance to meet him. Mm -hmm. I heard, which is a cool experience. So I contacted Bob, and Bob has graciously given the Hopper organization not one, not two, but I have three Bob Beers limited edition AFX cars. These cars are limited to a small production run that Bob had commissioned from AFX, and each one of these is signed. So whether you come to the Nationals or if you cannot make it to the Nationals this year, everybody will have an opportunity to buy a raffle ticket to win one of these cars. The raffle tickets will go uh, to the children's, organ uh, the CHKD organizations to help kids with cancer. So on behalf of Hopper, we will donate that money to that organization. And you can buy a ticket for five bucks and have a chance to win three of these. Wow. So you can purchase the tickets online and you can also purchase them at the door or throughout the event at the Nats. Wow. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I know he came to actually Adam's house and we, he was awesome guy. Awesome guy to meet. Awesome guy. Just an all-around great guy. Mm. And these, the detail on these AFX cars, and AFX is our biggest sponsor of the national event. Mm. So what better to pair the AFX car, special edition, limited, signed by Bob Beers. There's not many of these cars. 
and there are definitely not many in the package with his signature on it. Wow. So this is a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that you can all have a chance to win for only five bucks. Wow. And you're uh, donating to a great cause with the Children's Hospital. Definitely. Definitely. And I'd also like to thank of Sean especially. He sent me and Adam. We got complimentary t-shirts, courtesy of Hopper. It also says it on the back. And we're also honorary members through uh, June 1st, 2020. So I'd really like to thank Sean a lot for that. We can't thank you enough for sending us that stuff. And uh, we just love to spread and the it's hobby. My to pleasure. It's our pleasure to send that stuff to you guys. Mm -hmm. um, on behalf of the Hopper organization, I want to thank what you guys are doing. Uh, there's not a lot of young participants in this sport. And there is a few. And it's very hard to get new people interested and off the video games to come to a particular race. You know, now is the day and age where it's computers and social media, and it's not really too much hands-on. But when the young people really see what you can do with these cars and how much interaction and fun it actually is, I think we can really increase all the participation across the entire country. And what you guys are doing is fantastic. I mean, when I first heard that you guys were going to do this, I was like, I got to get on this show because this is really cool. And I'm glad to be a part of it. And I appreciate you inviting me to be a special guest. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. We're honored to have you as our first ever special guest. It's a very, very big deal, especially with you being the top the top dog over at a Hopper. So, and Hopper being just the top sanctioning, professional sanctioning body of HO Slot Car Racing in the United States. So it's chills, chills that you wanted to get be on our show for the, only the second episode, which is awesome. So um, I know, you know I'm definitely going to be there. I know, Adam, you still considered going. Not sure yet since it's in June. So. Oh, of course I am. Of course you are. Okay. Because I saw you were That's interested cool. on the Facebook event, so I was just wanting to ask you. I mean, because I'm definitely going. I really want to. I'm really, really interested in the spec racer class. I got to try it out. I actually talked about it uh, yesterday, or uh, no, not yesterday, last podcast about how I tried them out at Moe's. And they're just all, like, I can't imagine how, like, the gravities and the just the super stocks and not sure what classes I'm going to run, but I definitely want to come and run a couple times and just be on the professional circuit. I mean, it's just all like just gives me chills to be on this with professionals and just best the best drivers in the entire country. So it's awesome what you guys do, and just continue on the legacy of it. I mean, it's been going on since 1975, and I just think that's the coolest thing that it just started as just a like a simple HO Racing Association like we have here in Central Ohio with Cohora. It started off like that, and. They just thought of the idea to it's like, how about we take this national? See other people that like the same things as us and are maybe good or better than us, some competition. So it's awesome that you guys are continuing just the legacy of Hopra and just continuing up the professional level of the sport. So I really wanna go and race super stocks, but I gotta Talk to my dad if we're going or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we look heavy, guys, too. 
Yeah, there's there's racing for everybody. There's racing on different levels. So we have amateur and pro super stock. So, you know, if you haven't finished in the top uh, 10 positions three or more times, you can participate in the amateur class, which is amateur super stock. Uh, and just because, you know, we say professional and our organization is called HO Professional Racing Association, it's, it, it's not meant to be intimidating. Yes, there's guys that have been doing this for over 50 years. Yes, there's new guys. Yes, there's guys that aren't that great. Yes, there's guys that are really, really good and they're very hard to beat. But that's not really what the race is all about. Mm -hmm. The race is really about getting participation and getting people interested in the sport and just having a great time. I mean, that's really what we want to do is we want to have a great time and we'll do a little racing on the side. Mm -hmm. So every year we have, um, we all go out to dinner and, uh, which is really fantastic. You know, usually at, at the end of the event, a lot of us will get together and we'll go out to dinner throughout the week. Different guys go out to dinner and you'll see guys at different pit spots and asking, how do you do this? And everybody there is willing to help everybody that comes, whether you are, or if you're just watching or if you're participating in every event or just one event, don't hesitate to ask any of the questions that you might have to anybody that's there. You know, everybody is very helpful. Nobody's going to turn you down and try to keep secrets or anything. That's not what it's all about. We're, we're about having fun and having a good time. And at the end of the event, we know who the champions are, who the best of the best of the United States is. Wow. Wow. That's just awesome what you guys do. Uh, trying to think of some other things to talk about relating, but uh, me and Adam, I know we went to our club race, took place yesterday at, Howard's Hockey Highway. We actually, first time we've raced on that track, Howard uh, Rosensig in our group got, he went from, upgraded from a Tommy to a Max Tracks, and uh, it's uh, about a, if I can remember off the top of head, it's about a 50, 50 foot layout, Max Tracks, and we had fun. We raced uh, the stock T-Jet class uh, a lot yesterday, and uh, even though I didn't really do so well, finished sixth, uh, but, uh, Adam, you did a pretty good job advancing from the C to the B, which is awesome. See, you got a fast car. Yeah, and you ended up giving me by like maybe a lap. Yeah, yeah, barely. I'm, yeah, I made a pretty big rookie mistake by I cleaned my car before the start of the main, but I didn't put oil in it. So for the first two or three mains, I was pretty much a snail in a rabbit pack, pretty much. I was the snail. And uh, didn't realize it until probably about third segment. I'm like, oh, crap, did I put oil in this thing? And almost burnt my car up. But um, applied some oil in it, and I made up several laps, but it was just not enough. Uh, I finished sixth, and uh, it was okay. We had a lot of fun. Like, holy crap, that's the most fun I've had at a race. And uh, our A-Main, I mean, it was close down to the wire. Uh, Chris White and Danny Reinhardt were swapping lead left and right. And uh, it was all going to come down with who made the most mistakes. And Chris was about ready to catch him, but he wrecked. And I think it was, we called it, because uh, Howard has these specific terms for each corner. But we had a kind of like an, an S-curve that was called the Hockey Stop Chicane. 
And we had another turn after that called the puck drop corner. And Chris about got Danny in puck drop corner, but he wrecked, right? And Chris wrecked in that corner, and Danny barely got the win by a lap. And uh, first one in a long time for him. So awesome to see that finish. Yeah. It's definitely a fun track. Mm -hmm. Cannot wait. I just, I really like just our, how our club is with how many tracks we have and just how much variety they have. I mean, I get, yeah, most of them are max tracks, but each of them has this, this little perk to them. Like Howard's, it looks simple, but in reality, it's actually a pretty technical track. I mean, you have to really wheel the car, especially with stock T-Jets. You really have to wheel the car and just be smooth and just got just uh, fine grip is what I like to say. You have to fine grip, find your rhythm, and but fun time. Fun time yesterday. I can't wait to race on that track again. Uh I also wanted to refer everyone on, you can search on YouTube. Uh, Charlie Benson in our group records videos, records races. He actually recorded the race last time. I don't know if it's uploaded yet of yesterday's race, but Slot Car Racer on YouTube. Search Slot Car Racer, and you might find a few uh, core races of the past. I mean, Charlie does such a great job uh, filming them and editing them, and it's awesome. You should check them out. Uh, I was so kind of. I have a question for. Oh. Sure. Go ahead. Oh no, you go. You go. You had a question. Sorry. Right. So I have a question for Sean. Um, does it get harder the more and more parts that come out every year? So, what do you mean? Does it get harder as far as participating or building cars? Um basically being the national director like does it get harder with all the different items you have to approve and all the different opinions that come out well i mean in my position yes because i hear from pretty much every every racer that's on the professional circuit of what their opinion might be or what their opinion is not of a certain product that's coming out uh, of course i have to be the bipartisan person to bring the facts to the Senate and the Senate is the one that votes. I myself don't make any decisions on any of the parts that are approved. That's totally up to the Senate and the Senate is voting based on how their memberships want them to vote. So it's set up, our organization is set up just like the real government. You know, you tell your senators how you, you vote them in and they vote for what you want the president to vote for. Same kind of uh, setup that we have here with the Hopper organization. Now, all the parts, certain parts do have to be submitted and approved, but it's not all the parts. There's only certain parts, and it takes a lot of effort from these manufacturers to produce these parts. So they go out of their way to work with our organization to make sure they're in compliance with the rules, if they need rules changed or if they want uh, specific things to be changed they work with us directly to make that happen and now ultimately the end goal of the hopper organization is to make the racing better for the racer um, so the more parts that come out great 
for the racer. And the more parts we approve, the more it benefits the racer, which are you guys that are actually racing these cars. Uh, we definitely don't want to shortcut anybody or uh, omit certain things, but we have to follow the rules, and the rules have been set up for a very long time, and the rules have been successful for a very long time. And of course, along the way, there might be some changes that we have to make. You know, everybody's human, mm -hmm. and the things change through over the years. So what worked 10 years ago might not work today, but that's where I have to rely on the senators and the membership to say and voice their opinion on the changes that they want. So over the course of three or four years uh, since I've been in office, there has been several changes that have happened uh, to clean up the rules, to make them a little easier to read. And we have a long way to go on that, right? So a lot of the times, you know, especially newer guys, when they're reading the rules, the rule book is not small. It's, it can be very confusing. So one of our goals is kind of to, to condense that a little better to make it a little easier and simpler to use, but we have to follow the rules in order to benefit the racer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally get that. Totally get it. Uh, trying to think. And I mean, Adam, is there any other questions you have for him? I mean, I just don't want to uh, out talk you. So. Ah, it's okay. That's that was my only question. Oh, okay. Okay. I last thing I want to do is over talk you. So yeah, uh, just I actually took a look at the Hopper rule book not too long ago. It it seems a little bit uh, overbearing when you first look at it, but once you uh, understand just the terms of it and just look at the basics of it, it's not bad. I actually, they're pretty easy to understand. Uh, I actually have a PDF of it on my computer just so I can have it and so I'm going to be building most likely going to be building a spec racer in a vintage vintage uh, vintage she jet to race in uh, June so I mean it's it's a very very uh it's I can understand the rule book as well I mean I know you guys kind of want to simple uh oh man I can't talk today simplify the uh, rule book just to the it's just so the base, the guys just coming in there can understand it, but which is actually I'm one of them. So yes, uh, yeah. One of the things that I'm working hard and working closely with manufacturers is to make it a little easier for them as well. So we've made a lot of changes to make the manufacturing and the submission process a little easier. So before they're you know, before there was a drop dead date, and that drop dead date, nothing beyond that. And then, couple, many many years ago, they made exceptions for this person and that person, and it really wasn't fair. So now we really work closely with them to try to bring that back in to make that uh, manufactured part submission a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So you can actually, you know, as a manufacturer, you know, if I made my own car, you know, I, I could submit something or an idea that I have of something that I am getting ready to produce, but I don't want to let the full cat out of the bag, you know, cause you know, these guys are in business to, to be in a business. I mean, it's mm -hmm. their livelihood. We, you know, we thank them every day for what they do, but if they have an idea, they can actually submit that idea. And then with not even having the product in hand 
And we can look at that and say, oh, you know what, this is a really good thing. We need to incorporate this into the rules. And then they have a certain timeline where they have to produce the end result. And when they produce the end result, it's basically automatically approved because they submitted their ideas. Where before, you know, they actually had to, you know, rush the manufacturing process and, you know, they may or may not have hit the deadline and it really wasn't that fair. But we've tried to work with them as, as much as possible and we're trying to increase that uh, more and more as the years go on. Mm -hmm. So, but one of my missions and one of my goals is to actually make the rule book easy to read, uh, especially for the younger generation and the younger kids. So my philosophy is if my son or daughter who is uh, eight or going on nine, it seems like a hunt ago she's going on 20, but you know, so she's going on nine and my son's 14. If they can read the book and understand, you know, this is what I can use and this is what I can't use, mm -hmm. then I've done my job. So if it's not that simple and basically uh, easy to understand, then it's probably not written the right way. And I'm really trying to make it my personal mission to reword things, to uh, make it a lot easier so when guys show up, they know exactly what to expect. Mm -hmm. Now, we do try to set the rules and be the forefront of technology. So we really try to have every class of car in the rule book and we might not race all those cars but we have a baseline of all the rules that pretty much everybody that races ho slot car follows whether you follow it to the letter the basis of the rules that you are following you are following hopper rules mm -hmm. and to show your support you know i gotta put a little plug in there to show your support in that you know please go to the website sign up for your membership sign up for your yearly renewal we really do appreciate the support that all the racers give us to put on not only, you know, the rules subset, all the tracks that you race on, to support the manufacturers. Uh, that's really our main objective mm -hmm. in the Hopper organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really like that we can use this platform to, like you said earlier, it's such, I mean, and I was mean at, when mean at, well, I thought of the idea at first, but I've, kind of credit Adam too with helping me with it but just we wanted to find a platform to where we can get the message of this hobby across and get the appeal of this hobby across to our generation and because we're not very a lot of us I mean I know me and Adam are but and maybe a few other kids are but we're many of us aren't mechanically inclined and just like you said earlier, involved in video games and just social media and keep up with that. But it's just, we both like them. There's like a mechanical aspect. There's the men, there's the racing aspect and there's a social aspect as well. You, it, it helps you, this hobby helps you be so social, really, really social and just meet new people and just, I don't know, just something simple as having, just laughing with people. I mean, it's, that's why, I mean, that's why I like, I mean, Hopper a lot, even though it was kind of daunting at first when I first got into the hobby, like, oh my God, professional racing, like, it's like serious, serious, serious. But I mean, just seeing, looking up YouTube videos and just especially talking with you now and before, I mean, it's such a, like, not that it's too laid back, cause there are rules, like you said, but I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like professional, but I mean, it is. But they just, 
you make it seem so like fun and just like so easy to get into. Like I said, I mean, with the rule book, easy to understand and uh, just the, it's any draw spectators in. I mean, there's maybe people that spectate races. Like you probably had spectators in the Hopper Nats, but they just see how cool it is and they just, they want to get involved and it's just the coolest thing. Uh, we're constantly trying to get new members in our, our local clubs every day. And I just think this would be a amazing platform, especially among the younger generation and maybe and sticking with the core audience, not leaving the core audience behind and just making content. That's just appealing to them. And I'm, that's why I love on, I really hope that we can keep Hopper Legacy going. I really, really hope we can keep it going. I know it's been going for over 40 years, since 1975, and I'd like to see it go further. I mean, 60. I mean, even longer than that. I kind of want to be the one that will – me and Adam both want to be the ones to uh, further the legacy of just the one of the only yeah. professional – Actually, it's 1969. 69? Oh, Okay. Hopper was created in 1969, and the first national event was actually held in 1975. Ah, okay. So as far as national race, uh, the once-a-year race, that's been going every year since 1975. But it was at, we were actually founded in 1969. Wow. So that would be 50 years then this year, I mean, was first for when it was first founded. So, but just a... Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. But just our point was, I mean, I kind of want to carry this hobby in a way where I can make it, I can appeal it to our population, just our generation, and to basically get kids, like, involve, like, encourage kids to get their hands dirty. I mean, this, this hobby, it seems pretty simple, but once you look at the cards and just how mechanical, just mechanical they are, it's just, it's, I think they're an engineering marvel. I mean, especially the Thunder Jets and the early Aurora models. They're just completely, I mean, very much an engineering marvel. And they've just taken that design. I know many companies now produce the inline design, but it's just how cool these cars have evolved from just like a simple pancake design to a more inclined, more inlined, which what Viper and BSRT and uh, Tyco make. And it's just cool to see how mechanically inclined these car these cars are, and how much you can basically screw around with them. And I mean setups and just it's really really cool. Really cool. So I mean, hey, I, I want you guys to have my job one day for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I want you to carry this legacy on. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And there's, there's a couple of ways that everybody listening can can help that. And that's one is supporting the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. You know, Wizard, BSRT, Slot Tech, Viper Scale Racing, all the guys that make professional quality slot car racing cars. Mm -hmm. Then you have the toy manufacturers, AFX. You know, and there's Tyco and Aurora and all those, but the, the, we consider those those are the toy manufacturers. Mm -hmm. They're made by big, big business people. Mm -hmm. So support the little guy, support your local hobby shop, and this thing will keep going forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask both you and Chris, but uh, 
do you have any other hobbies that you like to do other than slot car racing? Because I'm a big sim racing guy. I use iRacing a lot, and I'm just about to get my B license. So, I mean, do you guys have any hobbies that uh, or uh, activities, jobs that you do um, other than slot car racing? So when I was younger, before I hurt myself, <laughs> I was a pretty good bowler, and I was about to go on the professional bowlers tour. I uh, probably is probably about ten years ago, but I still love, love the bowl, and that's one of the hobbies that I do is mm. I love bowling. Mm, bowling, nice. Um, I golf. It's kind of my yeah sport outside of racing. Um, just leisurely, I go to golf courses at least once a week and play. Right now, I don't. It's just like racing season, so I'm full bore on the racing right now. Then summer, it'll be golfing. Mm. That's cool. That's really cool. So I wanted to get the subject back on slot cars, but me and Adam thought of this idea last episode. But I know we. I just recently watched the Isra or heard of the Isra. Uh, uh, Lamar race that just took place and the U.S. team actually won this past year and we were thinking of idea I mean I know mostly uh, ice were overseas I know I've seen them they mostly 132nd mostly race 132nds but I mean we were thinking of a, of a way because we have the Ohio Cup here in Columbus every year that CORE hosts and uh, and we were just thought of the idea like how can we expand this internationally i know probably like i said most probably there's not many ho people overseas even though i mostly there's probably a few but we just thought like how, how can we make it more simple to i mean i know the airline costs i mean there's airline cost hotel jet lag all they have to deal with and just we were just thinking a way i mean what do you think of ways we could i mean i know this is kind of a far-fetched idea, but ways we can get international people on board with this. Because it'd be awesome to have maybe someone from like Britain or Germany come over and and perform on the professional level. Even though it'll be, a, it's kind of a, kind of a dream, but. Well, right now, in my opinion, the sport needs to grow to be able to get that kind of attraction of other racers in other countries. Um, I think Boston in 2018, Tony Baldock came over from England and raced at the Nationals. Um, and as far as I know, he's possibly going to be uh, at the fray and also at the Hopper Nats this year as well, 2020. Mm. Um, now, I, I, as far, I, I don't know of too many groups outside. I know there is, uh, there's small groups in New Zealand, there's small groups in Australia and uh, England, not sure what's going on in main Europe, mm -hmm. but I mean, the sport just simply needs to grow to be able to attract more racers to come and travel as far as we, or as we would want to. I plan to go to England and I think 2021 is what myself, Roger, and a few others are planning on doing the race in that 24 hour Le Mans race that they have, uh, in the Dahora or the Horace group. Mm. Um, and that, that race is a big attraction. You saw that this year, Ryan Archambault and Team USA won 
Mm-hmm. So I mean, it just makes it to where, okay, well, maybe we can travel there and have a shot as well. Because, you know, there's guys there. It's, they've raced on the same layout for those 24-hour races for 10-plus years straight. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a challenge for some of us to go over there and test what we can do against them. And, I mean, it would be awesome if they would come over here and race what we do with the, the, uh, the basically the quick races that we race compared to an endurance race like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would be great, but it's also it's it's got to be got to be cost effective still. Mm, that's Plain true. Passports are not cheap. Hotel rooms are not cheap. So the the hype for the event's got to outweigh the cost of it for the racer, and that's going to be the biggest problem that you have to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Participation is definitely key for sure, as well as, you know, sponsorship and good sponsorship. You know, just imagine if we had Coca-Cola or if we had Ford or Chevrolet as a sponsor at the Nationals. You know, way back when, in the 60s, when they had races, Ford Motor Company used to give away cars, real cars, for a slot car race. Uh, Harnish, Henry, Henry Harnish is actually one of the guys that's still around that races slot cars that actually won one of the cars that Ford was giving away. But, you know, growing this sport, like Chris uh, mentioned, is really the only way to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, once we have that huge base of support, then we can go after the big, huge companies to make a reality like uh, international type world champion come to life. And a go-to organization behind that is, you know, well, obviously I'm going to say Hopra, but, <laughs> you know, you need a good, solid foundation like Hopra to be in charge of some sort of event when it gets that big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just got to stick. Yeah. I mean, I know that we just got to stick to growing the national level, I know, first. And like I said, with, I mean, getting just whole nation, I mean, people from all over the states involved but uh i was reading our comments and i actually got a question from ben notlitz uh he wanted to he he's like chase ellis tell us about your first experience with the needle modified which uh i was explaining or i was shortly talking about it at the beginning of the podcast but uh i had my first experience with a spec racer at a brian mo fields place in dayton with the we just established a tri-state Southern Hopper Group, or uh, Tri-State, yeah, Tri-State Hopper Group, and uh, we're basically going off of Hopper rules, but it's like a, a casual club like we do here in Columbus. So really want to thank, I don't know if Ricky Shear is watching this, but I'd really like to thank him a lot still for lending me his spec racer. And what that this car was actually set up by Mo, Mo himself for his track. And he has a wizard, not sure the length, but he has a wizard track. And uh, I was really, really taken aback by how the, much grip there was. I mean, those things, those, like unless you really, really screw up, those things are not coming off. And it's just they're fast. Like I was taken aback first practice session. I had to slow down for a little bit <laughs> uh, because just how fast they were. And just once I got that hang of it and found my rhythm i just it was off to the races i could keep up with most of the guys i made it to the a main or qualified in the a main but 
I got in over my head. I mean, you know, when you wreck and you're not supposed to try to like my mind and maybe some other people can relate to this. It's like, you got to catch up. Like once you come off, it's like, Oh man, you got to make that up. You got to make that up. And don't ever think that way. Cause you keep coming off, coming off. Like it's not going to be very good, but finished fifth overall. Uh, I, I was happy with myself first time spec racer. I definitely am interested in wanting to build one since uh, I already, we already raced the 12 volts at our club here in central Ohio. But, uh, I really wanted to build a spec racer because just they're fun. They're really freaking fun. And I cannot wait to race them at the Nats here in June. So uh, get a car built up and get ready for it. So, hmm. Yeah, that's a great segue class and starter class for any, you know, the other classes that are a little more in-depth and challenging to build the other types of cars like spec racer is a great thing you can buy it from all the manufacturers buy it off the shelf put it on the track and go race it mm -hmm. exactly that's what's cool about it for us guys just on a budget and uh i also wanted to ask adam this i know you first raced how was your experience running super stocks um it was a lot of fun. Um, I went to Rusty Jackson's house. That was where I was at. And I qualified fourth and finished fourth. And I ran Ryan Peoples' car because I drove up around like three in the morning to go race with him. Mm -hmm. But it was really early. But it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of these. RJ's track is a lot of fun. Mm, a lot of these hopper classes, I really, really mean, especially seeing like the gravities and the unlimited class on YouTube. They're like daunting at first, but now encountering, like you said, spec racers, kind of like the stepping stone into those uh, hopper classes, just fast pace and just a lot of grip and just. All that. It's a really good entry point for it, even though the unlimited, I was a little bit scared to, I'm like, man, I do not want to marshal those because those things look like they'll take your eye out if they leap up. But I mean, it's really, really fun. Uh, especially unlimited and Neos are actually really easy to marshal because mm -hmm. the magnets do all the work for you. You just kind of mm -hmm. hover it over the rail and you drop it in. Oh. Go they're, they're actually a lot easier to marshal than oh. you think. Huh. I'm just suck right down to the track. <laughs> yeah, I'm just worried about the projectile aspect. When one's a projectile, I know at Moe's during it, it I know. Hurts. Only hurts for a second. True, true. I know uh, Adam told me yesterday. Yeah, his hand, no big deal. Yeah, I know Adam told me yesterday he got hit in the stomach with a 132nd at one point. How did that happen? Um. So. They weren't really paying attention, or they started talking. And then um, this is that like the sock T-Jet challenge, mm -hmm. but they had a 132nd race also. And they needed a marshal, so I decided to help out. And it just flew right off the track. <laughs> well, it only hurt for a second, True. like you guys said. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. True. Um, 
It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you have actually tried a Neomod, haven't you? Um, at Ben's? Neomod? Uh, I have not tried Neomods yet. Uh, like I said, I think I've only dipped my toes that I've encountered is a Spec Racer. Uh, which I really want to try the Neomods, which I thought he just meant by the, just the, the only experience I've had was the Spec Racer, but, uh, I don't know if that's I. They're probably totally different, but um, I do want to uh, try that out at Ben's place. I know Ben's a super nice guy. Uh, but yeah, I just thought. Sorry about that. I just started. I just uh, thought the spec racers were the same thing as the uh, uh, as the neomods. I think they're entirely different, aren't they? Sorry, I lost connection. Oh, you're okay. And did you hear my answer, or I can answer it again if you want me to? No, no, I'll watch it later. Okay, okay. Because I mean, I was at, I was telling that I. This is kind of a dumb question, but I think I think spec racers and neo mods are different, correct? Oh, much different. Oh, much different. Okay, because I haven't tried. Let's just say that there's some tracks that you could probably run a spec down to three on a track, and then the neo mods would go about two one two zero. Oh, okay, okay. They're like basically like a flash idea where you touch the trigger and they're hitting the wall. Mm. Uh, that fast. You're not mm. if you're not reactive to them or you don't know how to drive. Mm. Yeah, I've not tried the the Richie wants the TJ race. Uh oh, I was I just got another comment from Ben. Um, I'm trying to think because I think it was the T Jet challenge where I tried one out, but because uh, I'm trying to think back, it was a, more than a year ago. But I think I might have tried. I think I, I think I did try one actually in Neo. Uh, and I don't think it. I'm now thinking back to it. I don't think it went too well. I think I cra- I think I didn't make the error like you said. I think I crashed it. And but it was kind of. I mean, this is when I was first starting out. Now it's kind of coming back to me now. But this is when I first started out. It was my first stock T Jet challenge. And after the it had to have been after the racing was done. And so. Uh, I got to try out a Neomod. I'm trying to remember Rich, but uh, if it was last name, what his last name was, but uh, um, I think it might have been Rich May, but I'm not totally sure. But I tried it out, and just <laughs> like you said in the comments, bang! I smacked it in the wall in the first minute. But uh, just you don't know. I mean, at first I, I know he said to be careful with it, and I do admit I was kind of a rookie at the time. We all were rookies at one point. And uh, I smacked it in the wall, but it was like when I was trying out, I had to go really slow with it after that first, like, boom. But um, it was, like I said earlier, same thing as the spec racers, but it's just a heck, heck of a lot of grip. But it's it's actually faster. It was, if I remember right, it was really much faster and quicker pace than the uh, uh, spec racers. But that was really fun. I really, really want to try one out again i mean even even though it's been a long time since i've tried one but i really want to try them again so uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. So trying to think of other things to talk about, but uh, we were talking last episode, I mean, just like I said, uh, but the internationally, but I was thinking, cause I really have a really big appreciation for the magnet attractions and how they spawned a whole, I mean, they're kind of like the grandfather of all, almost all the hopper classes, how the magnet cars started up. I mean, it's just like the grandfather of the magnet car. And I just thought that there's no national event or Pacific, like magnet traction Pacific event. And I know we have, uh, you guys have the hopper nats there with all the magnet car classes, gravity. We have the Ohio cup with the super stock T jets, or some people call it mod T jets. And then stock T jet challenge up in Canton, Ohio, which I know Chris will definitely know about, but we go up, all of us core guys go up and attend, but I just thought there's no magnet traction national event. And I, I've just had such an appreciation for them and how cool they are that, uh, I was thinking just like, wouldn't it be cool to start up a, I know taking up a national event is really, really time consuming. It's really, can be really uh, stressful actually at times, um, for how much the Ohio cup has grown, but, uh, just starting up a national event for the magnet tractions. Like, how cool would that be? Um, I mean, it depends on, on how big of a following you can find in magnet tractions. And that's, mm -hmm. that could be the biggest problem where there's no national event. I mean, T-Jets are an example of a, an older class that stuck mm -hmm. around because there's guys who just absolutely love them. So the following continued. There's parts being mass produced by like tires from Wizard, weights by mm -hmm. anyone. I mean, I don't. I'm not too big into T jets myself, so I'm not acquainted with all the uh, lingo with it. But I mean, like I know Dash is involved, and they've made mm -hmm. parts for T jets, and that's a problem with magnet attractions. Is that there is no there's no mass produ production of aftermarket parts for them. I mean, True. you could probably find yourself some. Tires, I believe, like, I think I remember they run like 460s in the back. Um, and there's, there's guys who, I think, would, I think in Cahor, you guys cut out that middle bar and drop the magnet lower, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that's in the rule book. Uh, I don't do it with mine, but it's in the rule book that you can do that to drop the magnet lower to the rails. Uh, but I don't know which guys do it. I know I don't do it with. I haven't done it yet with my chassis, but uh, I might look into it in the future and see how that how it affects the handling. It, it brings the magnet closer, and so I mean, in general, it should increase performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, a big thing with even the inline cars is making sure that the magnets are flush with the chassis or just slightly below. To provide maximum downforces. I mean, if the chassis, if your magnets are up in the chassis and the chassis is dragging on the track to try to get the magnets closer, it doesn't help the car at all. It makes it loose mm -hmm. and performance goes away drastically. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, the, the idea of doing that would be beneficial in every way. I think it drops it almost 25 to 30 thousandths of an inch, which is large. Mm -hmm. in the scale that we're looking at yeah I mean, just i think about 
in in one to one scale it's about two to three inches mm-hmm. um but don't hold me that number it's it's slightly off i believe but mm-hmm. i mean that's that's huge performance mm-hmm. and finding that following is like the first thing but the second thing i look at is you know the mega traction chassis were produced back in the 70s mm-hmm. so when they run out then what a guy's going to race for magnet tractions. Mm-hmm. So you kind of kind of see like what's coming out and, you know, maybe tomorrow a new manufacturer will produce a new type of magnet traction chassis. You know, nobody really knows. And that's the beauty about slot cars, new things come and go. But for the opera organization, I mean, the reason why we don't have that type of competition is because there's no mass produced parts really. And they're not easy accessible. They're not easy to get. So we tend to focus more on the newest type of uh, chassis and vehicles that are out there mm-hmm. in the box today. And we also have too many classes to stick in a week. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of racing. And when you actually do go to a national and you're participating in a lot of events, I mean, you're just bang one track you gotta go learn that track you gotta go learn that get that car set up then you gotta go to the next mm-hmm. track get that car set up and yeah. then you gotta get, you gotta figure out how to drive each one of those tracks and this year i mean i put together some of the hardest tracks that you're gonna see in the nationals and <laughs> uh, these guys are they're we're gonna be pushing the limits of what some of these racers can do like roger percelli matt handy myself rick DeRosa, bob collard they're all gonna get the the best tracks and the most difficult tracks this year Mm-hmm. Um, really test what they can do, and that, and to add another class into it, I mean, I've I've put in classes that are more catered to drivers like yourself with the 12 volt, which hasn't often in the Nats, the stock T jets, which is a new class for the Nationals, um, and then our base classes like Spec Racers, and we changed a little bit of the rules in the Spec Racer as far as how the racing's going with allowing the top eight drivers to move on instead of just the top four because of the mm-hmm. class is growing. And I mean, that's just that competition is getting bigger. So I mean, to add in another class is it's, you're just asking for another day of racing. And there's guys mm-hmm. there like for me, I'm using my vacation time to do this from mm-hmm. work and I can't just take another, I can't take a 10 day vacation. Good year is not going to like that. No. So, and Sean's, well, I mean, Sean's kind of on his computer to work, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a great point that Chris brings up. You know, it's it, we're already pushing basically seven days. Mm. I mean, it's six full days of racing or practice and racing. And back in the day, it was one day. And that was one day. It was one class. And. That's what they did for many, many, many years. But as things evolve, we've added more and more classes. Mm-hmm. And we try to cater that based on where the NAS is being held. So what works in Ohio and like the stock T-Jets and things like that might not be the same if we go to Florida or when we go to Maine or if we go to Colorado. We, we try to change things up the best we can, but we still have that limit that we have to keep it in because mm-hmm. we realize people are taking out you know, valuable family and work time to come to participate in the event and extending it past, you know, the five days or six days is that gets a quite lengthy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially relating to Chris. I mean, I work too. I mean, in technically it's an internship, but I work too. I mean, 
I don't know if Adam, if you have a job or not, but, and especially me with college, I mean, I know it's probably during summer break, but just, just finding time to race during college is actually and prep cars is actually a little bit hard, but, but I make it work. So, uh, so yeah, I wanted to get that. I did too, dude. Mm-hmm. College for nine and a half years. Oh so my. I went through the same boat where I actually went to nationals while taking summer classes. Oh, and geez. I had to work around all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to go to my professors and tell them, Hey, uh, I'm going to be gone these couple of days. And I gave them a reason. And, they give me, well, the one professor was actually really interested in racing, and he thought it was the coolest thing ever, so he let me have the days off and let me turn my work in late. Um, the other ones were just like, well, okay, whatever. Mm. But, yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah. I wanted to get back into how, I kind of wanted to explain, I mean, our stories. I mean, I know I asked you both how you got into slot car racing and uh i kind of figured uh i can we might as well tell our stories to you well i this is my one of my my dad founded a company where they train diesel technicians here in columbus it's called american diesel training tech training centers and one of his instructors was by the name of myron benner and uh, he was explaining the just how, what hobby like what hobbies do you do? My dad asked him, and he's like, "Oh, I race these slot cars every Saturday night. I have this club I run in Central Ohio called Cohora Central Ohio HO Racing Association." And he's and my dad's like, "Oh, that's cool." So they talk about slot cars literally for like twenty minutes, and. And eventually Myron tells him, like, man, if you want to bring, if you want to come, like, bring, bring your son and come to one of our races, just like see how we operate and maybe try some cars out. So we went to his house. He was hosting that Saturday. It was a January, it was January 2018. And we were racing stock T-Jets. And that was pretty much my first taste of slot cars. And it's kind of funny. I brought a lifelike along. I actually still have this lifelike right here. It's pretty much one of the cars that started it all for me is that I got into lifelikes. But I was hooked from then on, pretty much. And so, how'd you, and I was going to ask Adam, uh, how'd you get into it? Um, so my dad was friends with Ryan Peoples and, um, met him at a hobby shop that he decided to go into and just kind of check it out. And he invited my dad and then, um, he started racing with Ryan and, um, other, like, group of guys. Mm -hmm. And then he took a little break and... Um, as soon as I got old enough, um, which I was about 12, 11-ish, um, I went over to Ryan's race, and it was, and it was my first race, and it was very um, frustrating because I was used to magnet cars, 
So mm -hmm. the difference was very drastic, but I just kept with it because it was a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty big transition right there, just going from a lot of grip to for, to just, I mean, to almost no grip at all. So uh, we're going to probably wrap it up here in a little bit. Uh, I know we're kind of running a little bit uh, late into the evening, so I know you guys probably have dinner and probably have family to tend to. So uh, I'd like to thank you guys very, very much for being on the show. I know we had some issues to start off with, but correct them. I'll probably see during editing if I can do anything about it. But uh, but thank you guys so much. Thank you for the shirts. Thank you for the honorary membership. And we really want to spread this hobby to our generation and keep it viable for years to come. So. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're very welcome. Very welcome. Uh, next episode... We're going to do the same time, 3 p.m. live. I'm going to try to get it edited and released this Monday, every Monday. So uh, thank you guys so much, and uh, everyone have a nice night. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. You're very Hope welcome. See you guys at the Nats. All right, see, I'll see you at the Nats. All right, have a good one. Thank you. You too.